Welcome back, Rage Nation. So real quick shout out that I want to give people is one of our friends from Charleston, South Carolina, started creating a bunch of tokens and a bunch of widgets and a bunch of other things that people need for their wargaming needs. And he does this with his awesome 3D printer that he decided to pick up. He started an Etsy page. It's called bardingtokens.com. And if you go to that, you can get lots of things for Malifaux. You can get steppers. You can get tokens for, you know, your corpse uh, drops and schemes. You can also get base identifiers for things like Warhammer Underworlds, D&D identifiers, and lots, lots more. even creates things like dividers and things that you can put in your foam. So check them out. Really decently priced, and I'd highly recommend it. Just good, solid printing that will definitely help in your tabletop gaming needs. Once again, that's at bardingtokens.com. Now, on to the show. Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. You know, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got the boys back together again. Here with uh, the boy, Chris. What up, man? You know, Chris, you've been lost in uh, been lost in your board game world. It's been a while since I've seen you. I've been doing a lot of board games. That's true. <laughs> well, you have like our lo- one of the local like board game. I don't need. I, he just has a ton of board games. So I, I know that now that you're basically neighbors, you've just been playing a lot of it. Yeah, it's convenient, right? Like he calls me up, Juan calls me up, and he's like, "Well, do you want to get together and play this?" And I'm like, "Sure, why not?" And he lives a minute from my house. Basically, what we're going to be talking about today is me and one of our locals recently went to a Malifaux tournament. And one of the things that we thought would be a good conversation topic is obviously it'll the tournament I went to is Malifaux. So we'll focus mostly around the terminology of that. But the one thing I want to talk about today, Chris, is mostly like, okay, you go to your first event in a new game and now what? So like, what's the next step? What are maybe some good goals? What are some lessons learned? Because I feel like anybody that's starting to get competitive in a new game that they definitely... It, it it takes a while a while usually to improve, but there definitely are some things you can learn from your first tournament, right? So first question is, did you get your ass handed to you? I generally think that I pretty much held my own. Like I, I feel like I performed well. Oh. I ended up go, I ended up going one. I mean, I went I went one and two. So I mean. It's not like I did super well for my first, you know, tournament. Plus, it was only an eight-man tournament, so I don't feel like it went terrible. I mean, anytime that I can do it, win a game in the first tournament of a new game that I'm playing, I'm, I'm super happy about that. So you don't feel like you've disgraced the Charleston area? No, I mean, just because there's <laughs> there's a way that I I like to operate when I start learning a new game and, and we'll talk about that when we get into it. So I, I feel like I represented it well. Um, Scott, who went with me to the tournament actually went one, one and one. So, I mean, he did it even better. A tie. Yep. That's like kissing your sister. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, he ended up getting a draw in, I think it was, it might've been round three. He got a draw. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. It happens in Malifaux, though, because it's like, yep, that's the points. Okay, we're tied. Good game. <laughs> okay. Do you, have a, do you play on a clock in Malifaux? Uh, it's a round timer, so it's not like a, a turn clock like it is for, like, Guild Ball or War Machine. So it's just once time's up, you finish the round, and then you kind of score points at the end of that last round. But one a-hole could, like, eat up your whole time? If you let that happen, yes, it could. Okay. So what do you what do you do when you're when you're facing that? Do you tell them like, "Yo, asshole, move it along." Well, and I think that actually in my games, this might have been one of the things that 
I wouldn't say it frustrated my opponents because everybody I played was pretty good with, you know, when I asked questions or like when I, they had to explain something, but definitely when you play against newer players, you tend to not go into that, the fourth round. Usually those newer players kind of finish their game in the third round just because they're, they're playing slow. They don't know the rules as well. So they have to look stuff up. So, I mean, I could definitely see having to tell somebody though, that like, yeah, you need to, you know, like, let's move this turn along. I mean, I, I, don't imagine it happens a lot in there, but I, I definitely see like where people are like, oh crap, I need to, you know, slow this down and waste some time. That way I don't, um, that way I don't lose. I could see people doing that, especially in higher level. I mean, cause you almost saw that a little bit in, um, if you ever played like 40 K or other games like that competitively, where people like will literally like run everything they have to the opposite side of the board and just waste the clock. <laughs> and Chris, you've, you've played a lot of games where, you do your first competitive tournament. So after you do like your first tournament, what are some things that usually you have to kind of like, like, where do you go from there? What's the next step? Like once you're done with your tournament, what are usually some of the first things you do? And then I'll talk about what I I'm doing for the Malifaux. Well, obviously raging out and talking about selling all my shit. <laughs> okay. All my models up for grabs, putting them on Facebook, putting them on eBay. That's well, usually so the first thing. Is that what you're asking me? <laughs> yeah, and looking at it with because I'll we'll kind of use your side. We'll use Guild Ball as kind of like that medium. But so like after your first Guild Ball tournament, where did you kind of go from there? So the first thing that I did was uh, after I you know chilled out that I felt like you know I had such a screw experience is I look at how how did I play. Like, like I look at the results and I try and find out or determine what was the cause of me getting those results. So it usually involves me talking to a more experienced player. So let me ask you this, Chris, in your first guild ball tournament, did you just get like your ass handed to you? Actually, no, because my first guild ball tournament was one where me and the guys in the area had been playing guild ball for a little bit. And then we had a tournament. So I was already kind of more experience of the group that showed up for the tournament. So I didn't get my ass kicked. I think I went like two and one or something like that. Okay. Okay. So yeah, just kind of explain like, what was your next step then? Like you said, you talked to an experienced player. So how did that look? Yeah. So I tried to talk with somebody else that either is on my level that knows me and knows how I play, or uh, maybe if there's somebody that that's there that, I played against that is way more experienced than me or somebody that can kind of like help me diagnose things. Cause obviously yeah. I recognize that just viewing it through the lens of myself isn't always the way to go. So I talk about why things worked out the way that it did. And so I have to determine, is that because I was too aggressive, not aggressive enough is there something that I was missing in how I played? Was it a matter of not knowing my own models? Was it a matter of not knowing my opponent's models? And, you know, just trying to trying to figure out what went wrong. Like, you know, I'm, I'm doing an autopsy on, on those games. Okay. And for me, and I'll say that, like, when you, when you are done with a tournament, there's a couple of things you want to look at, but usually, like, Either you can do this after the whole tournament or you can do it. Actually, I think the best time to get some feedback is right after your win or loss. Uh, when you are talking with your opponent and you're kind of cleaning up, especially if you know that they're like really good or they're a lot better than you, just try to get some quick feedback from them. Be like, hey, you know, I was trying a new master or if you're playing guild ball, you know, I was tried this new captain out. Uh, what did you think about my positioning or how do you think? Like in Malifaux terms, what do you think about the schemes I was running? And I kind of did that a little bit with this Malifaux tournament. I, w- I talked to the guys that I lost to, and I was just like, you know, this is my first tournament. So, like, what do you think about, you know, kind of like how I ran it? And the general feedback for me was good. Uh, they were like, oh, yeah, you seemed like you knew the rules quite a bit. Uh, they gave me a couple tips. One of them was to focus more on the strategies and schemes uh, because, obviously, that's how you win the game. And I told him, like, yeah, I get that. But me being a new player to Malifaux, I told them the same thing I'm going to say here, where 
It's just, I felt like it was more important for me to learn my crew. Like I thought it was more important for me to get the mechanics and the interactions down. And then I just by, I wouldn't say by accident, but it was secondary for me to worry about the schemes. Uh, I worried more about the schemes third round. And surprisingly, that was the round that I actually won. So uh, for me being a new player, I think that a lot of times we get too, too wrapped up in like, oh, I need to win. I need to win. But when you're new and it's a new game and this is your first tournament, I actually would just focus on like, okay, do I know my crew's rules? Can I run the game smoothly? And I think that being a new player, that's that's kind of like goal one for me is like, okay, I, I ran the tournament smoothly. I knew most of my rules and and that was good for me. Yeah, I, I think that that's an important, that's an important part is – I agree with you about talking with the players that, especially the ones that you've lost to and just yeah. asking them, okay, so what could I have done differently there? And there's that open yeah. ended question. Yeah. And a lot of times is like, they'll tell you like you dropped the wrong captain or in Malfo, you dropped the wrong crew. Right. Because there are some times where it's like, you really can set yourself back if you pick the wrong matchup. Like if you pick the wrong captain in Guild Ball or you pick the long, wrong master, it can really put you pr- pretty far behind where it's hard to recover from that. So a lot of times if you just ask them like just a simple question like, did you think I went into the matchup right? Do you think I picked the right schemes and stra- or this right schemes for my crew? Uh, you know, I picked this model. I don't know. They didn't work out so well. Does, how have you seen it work? Like my first game in the Malifaux tournament, I dropped Parker and it was into – the Arcanist and it was whoever their master is that, you know, does all the shooting fire conditions and stuff. And she flies around. But anyways, they basically like, I asked him, I was like, okay, well, what do you think about how I kind of ran? He's like, well, I'm used to seeing Parker drop a lot more schemes, like a lot more scheme markers. And I I was like, yeah, I kind of realized that about halfway in the game that I wasn't dropping enough of those. And it it was kind of too late by that point. And he's like, yep, that's definitely something you want to work on if you're going to be playing that that crew so just some good general feedback from like his experience watching parker play before yeah okay yeah that that makes a lot of sense but i was definitely very happy with it i think you have to also like after your first tournament you have to evaluate the goals you set i think i talked a little bit about that last last week when we were talking about kind of goals for going into events and my goal was just simple i I just i wanted to you know, score in each one of my rounds and I wanted to get at least one win. That was kind of my goal. Like, okay, let's try to get a win and let's score points in all of my, all my games, you know, and that was my goal. And I definitely achieved that. So when you played your first guild ball tournament, Chris, did you achieve kind of the goal you went into it with? Like total victory? (laughs) Was that your goal? Yeah, of course. Um, No, I did not. I lost in the final. So that was that was frustrating. No, I, I agree with you, though, about setting realistic goals and reasonable goals. And you really want to look at it and be like, OK, you know what? What's a goal that that pushes me but isn't unreasonable? So if you're usually well, I, a middle I of the think- road player, you should be trying to to be at least a game over 500. Well, and I think the distinction, Chris, for you in that guild ball tournament was you were like in a, it was a newer player tournament. So it's not like you went into like, you know, one of the biggest national tournaments and said, I want to win this as a new player. It's like you realized you were playing against other new players. So you had a decent chance to win. Yeah. They, as you look at it, you'd want to, you know, basically find, find something that, you know, kind of pushes you. And in your case, you've never played in a Malifaux tournament before. Getting a single win is absolutely reasonable. And oh, yeah. That's a reasonable goal, and so mission accomplished. But I generally <laughs> feel like you should set a goal that encourages you to kind of push yourself a little bit, but not so far that like it's unreasonable. So, yeah, and looking at it also, I think as a new player playing in tournaments, I think a lot of times people worry too much about what their opponent's doing because they want to be like, oh, I'm worried about winning. So if I'm going to win, I have to combat what my opponents doing but i think that's a mistake i think when new players start a competitive scene they need to just focus on doing what they do really well and not worry so much about the matchups and 
the first this first Malifaux tournament, I literally just said I want to play these three masters, and I'm gonna look kind of what that faction does. Like I'm like, okay, I kind of know Arcanist do condition, so obviously I don't want to do this one. Uh, but I'm generally just going. I'm gonna play this master this round. And I'm going to focus on what they do really well. And it might not be the best matchup, but I'm just focusing on me. Because I think a lot of times people get too wound up in what my opponent's doing when you're not even set in your footing on how and what you do. So I think a lot of times people just, when you're new, have to focus on how does my crew win and how do I want to operate? And then just worry about your opponent's stuff when you get in the game. It's like, don't focus too much on what the crew does focus on what your crew does. I think people get too, too up in that. And I think that's a really important thing to remember early on as you're less experienced because they've actually, there have been studies done on high level chess players and they find that those high level chess players, when they're looking at their minds and how their minds are operating, they're accessing the parts of their brain that are all about memory they're remembering experiences that happened in the past and what do I have to have have memorized in the past to draw out and then replicate a result that yep. I want. Not the problem-solving parts of the brain where it's a completely new problem. If you're at the phase where you're a really new player to Malifaux or any other game, your mind is absolutely working in that space yep. of this is a brand new problem to me to figure out. Right, it, it, you're trying to just figure out how to operate your own guys. You shouldn't expect that you're going to be winning and performing well in these tournaments until you're at the point where you always know what you're going to do with your own guys. You know your own crew very well, and then you're operating from memory of all of the experiences, and you've had many experiences with these other models, with these other guilds, and know what they do. And you're using that other part of your mind. So, it, and that only comes through time. Yeah. And I, I definitely am on the other side of that for like Guild Ball. Like Guild Ball, I can pretty much play like my team and your team generally without even looking at cards. Like I know what your models want to do and what my models want to do. It's like I'm not at that point in Malifaux yet. Like Malifaux, I'm still, I still didn't even know all of the schemes and what the schemes were at this first tournament and that was and that was cool for this tournament because like as i kind of played i remember in round two there's this one scheme where you have to search the ruins and you put scheme markers and base contact with terrain on your opponent's side of the field well and i i my opponent scored that on the round two match that i was in and when i played it i was like oh man that's a really cool scheme and i think my team my crew can do that really well so in round 3 i had the option of that scheme again and i chose it because i was like i got some really good crew. i had ashes and dust who can like just zoom across i had a ronin in there that they can kind of skirt around and you know do that for me so it's just it is all learning experience like the more experience you get the better you're going to perform in these tournaments but the thing is people get too worried about the stuff they don't know. It's like, you just want to hone in and focus on the stuff you do know. And as you play and gain experience, then that's when you really start to improve. And you're like, Oh, I remember when this happened during that tournament match. Well, now I'm going to use that. And I'm going to do that in this new game that I'm playing now. And like I said, I didn't even know what my opponent was dropping round three, but I just looked at the board and was like, Oh, there's a lot of terrain. Let me try to search the ruins strategy. And it, it totally worked, or the scheme, I should say. But, but yeah, it, it totally worked, and I ended up winning it because of that and some of the other uh, strategies and schemes. Was the guy that you won your game against, was he of comparable experience to you? Y- yes, she was. She was actually kind of newer, too. And that goes okay. with, And that's why a lot of times like we tell people don't be scared of tournaments because – and you can attest this, Chris, the further you go into a tournament, the closer you get to the ability of the people that, you know, you, you're going to play against, right? Yep. If, but, if you're in a big tournament, by the time you're getting into, you know, like a, round three and on, you're playing people that are even with you. Like, yeah. if you're if you're losing, it's not because that person was, you were so overmatched with the abilities of your opponent. Like, you lost because... 
things didn't go right for you. Like whether it was a luck thing or whether it was an error on your part, like that's why you lost because you were playing against people that were comparable in your ability. Yeah. And I think that it's easy to get like a little bit disappointed when you don't reach your goal. So let's say I didn't get a win. That would have been something where it's like, ah, oh, you know, I'm just terrible, or, you know, and I think that's the wrong way to go about it. I think you really need to look at it like, okay, I didn't perform the way I wanted to, so how do I improve moving forward? So I looked at this tournament and I was like, okay, how can I get better? So I'm still, as I do this new game of Malifaux, I'm still not too concerned about other factions and what they do. Like mm-hmm. I, I am learning slowly. But that's not my focus. My focus is, okay, with the masters I'm running, okay, which ones do which strategies and schemes the best? So now I'm trying to figure out, okay, which which master do I want to bring in what different types of games? So that's kind of my next step. And I'm looking at actually adding Zip as one of my masters because Zip is just one of those masters that they they run strategies and they're very good at, you know, maneuvering and positioning and i think that would be a really strong strong master to have in my arsenal and then i'm just adding that to the other tools that i have for the other schemes that i'm running so i think once you do a tournament and you get comfy comfortable with one or two masters then it's like okay i need a master that can do i don't know let's let's just say that a master that can run um uh turf what's that turf wars turf ground ground turf whatever it is you know maybe i need a master that can do that strategy better so start playing with okay maybe ask a question with a more veteran you know veteran player and say like okay well i need somebody who can run this strategy for me you know is this a good master or do i need to get like a third master that can do something else and the reason why i picked zip is because my other masters i'm running are kind of slow they're not the the best masters for that. So that's, so I think the next you, step. Oh, that seems like I, the answer. I, I, I think that, and you can kind of share what you think, Chris, like when you looked at that tournament, was there a matchup that you were like, Oh, I need to work on this or I need to improve on this specific spot. You're talking about like a guild ball tournament. Cause I haven't played a Malifaux tournament. Yeah. yeah. So I'm talking about your okay. guild ball tournament. Yeah. I thought, man, I really need to designate which terrain is which before we start playing. Why do you say that? I guess a forest is not always a green piece of terrain. <laughs> so you're talking about when you sit in front of your opponent and you say, okay, what piece of terrain is this, this, and this? Oh, so based on those experiences where like somebody flipped the script on like pulling a fast one or like claiming, oh, well, you didn't go over this, you know that now I sit across from my opponent and I go over some very specific things. We talk about which ones are which ones are which uh, as far as terrain. I talk about how I roll my dice. You know, I talk about like uh, all of these details. I say this one's always going to be the direction. When I roll my dice, if one lands on top of the other, I'm going to always re-roll the one that's on the top. So, Chris, um, why specifically do you talk about terrain though? This is important. <laughs> shut up! You're such an asshole. No, I do these like people. Terrain, know. Yeah. So in that game, it was because we were playing a game and. As I began, I saw these pieces of felt terrain out, and one of which was green. And I thought, well, obviously that's a forest. Like, what other thing could and, it be? And for the Malifaux players, because we do have some new Malifaux people kind of coming into it, it's, it's the same thing where in Guild Ball, if it's a forest, you can't see on the opposite side unless you're in the forest. Yeah, so this which guy charges me. And I- <laughs> yeah. So this guy charges me, and then at, once the charge happens, I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, you don't have line of sight, that's a forest. And he's like, oh, no, that's rough ground. I can see through that. And I'm just, like, thinking to myself, son of a bitch. <laughs> like, rough ground isn't green. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, that was pretty rough for you because I think that did end up costing you the game. It did. And I think that's important as a new player, too. And I actually, this is, this is something that even me with experience in wargaming, I even had this come up against Scott where we were playing a game and I didn't have that discussion with him. And I was playing a new crew and I was playing um, 
I was playing my levy crew and, and they have a lot of demise triggers and stuff like that, which means like something happens when you die. So I, I didn't have that conversation with Scott. And when one of my ashes and dust models model actually died, Scott was like, Oh no. I was like, what? And he's like, so this model cancels your demise trigger. And I was like, well, that's just great. Scott, wouldn't you think that was something important to know at the beginning of the dang game? And he, he didn't know it. He actually didn't know about it because he's new to his 10 Thunders um, in this edition. And he was like, he's like, that's fine. It is a friendly game. So he's like, we'll play it like that. That's not there. But that is something you definitely want to ask people when you play your levy crew is you want to ask them, is there anything that I don't get my demise triggers? It's one of those things where I definitely now, and I did this in the tournament too. I asked people, I was like, okay, is there anything that ignores what I'm trying to do? So for levy, it was demise. Uh, for Parker, it was like, do you have anything that can, you know, just suck up all my scheme markers? And then when I played Jack Daw, it was just kind of the same thing. Is there anything that ignores my hard to wound trigger? So that's something else that a new player, when you go to these tournaments moving forward, you want to do is like, okay, now I know this is my key mechanic. Okay, is there anything my opponent can do with his crew or her crew that really kind of gets rid of that? Yeah, I think that that an important discussion to have. I also think for new players, and I was definitely in this boat early on, there's nothing wrong with somebody asking to call a judge over and you feel like you're not getting a fair shake with something or that something's going haywire that like you didn't expect Yeah, and have somebody else explain it to you. Oh yeah. Because I recognize that your opponent, especially if they're trying to win, they're not always going to explain it in a way that is even-handed. Sometimes they're explaining it in a way that's favorable to them. So, yeah. you know, getting a judge involved, like in the in the situation with that I described with the terrain, where it, now in that in that situation, we were both kind of like the ones running the tournament. So yeah. there wasn't like a judge to be had but i easily could have turned to another table and been like hey if you guys see a piece of green terrain what is that terrain (laughs) and i guarantee people would have been like a forest and i would have been like this is a forest i'm not going to just give this to you which results in my loss like yeah yeah. like there's nothing wrong with standing your ground when you feel like well and it's at that point where it's like we we both didn't discuss it so actually i i feel like the fair thing there to do would be like, okay, let's just roll off for it. And because you couldn't discuss it. Yeah. Cause we didn't discuss it. It's both your fault. Right. And I think that's important though, not to just because you're new, like you can't argue something like that. Like I've seen it in tournaments where we've had people that wanted to really kind of push their, I wouldn't say luck with a call, but they definitely were arguing it and then trying to kind of neuter people with it. I've seen it before where, I mean, one was with you, Chris, where your opponent basically had a goal marker for guild ball and it actually was bigger than the goal. And then when you went for a goal run, they moved it and said, Oh, you're actually not in range. Yeah. And, and you're, and, and and you're like, case, I had the extra movement to get there. Right. Yeah. And, and in that case, I, I sat down and I, I, I called a judge over and I said, this is the case. This was base to base with this. I put my model base to base so this specifically wouldn't happen. And then once this larger piece, which is not regulation, was removed, then it it canceled the very thing I was trying to do. Yeah. So I want to be able to play this as though these things are base to base. And the judge said, you know what? I think that's reasonable. Like, it's not Chris's responsibility that that this other person put an object on the board that wasn't the proper size. Yeah, and the other one that I saw is we had a newer player that was at a pretty big guild ball tournament, and they had somebody that argued to them that, hey, this is not regulation size between this point and that point. It's actually supposed to be eight inches. This is actually longer. So he's like, technically, you're not in range to shoot your goal. and and Joe, this is Joe that was at the tournament. He, he being a new player, kind of was like, oh, okay. I mean, that kind of sucks, but I guess. And he went with it. And then he came back to us and told us that. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, no, that's not the way that works. I'm like, it's even in there that these are, you know, 
Steamforge products. So even if they're off a little bit, it is what it is. And we went back to the TO and, and Joe ended up getting smoked in that game. So it didn't even make a difference. But the fact that the player was just trying to take advantage of him, we, we called it out when we brought it to you. I'm like, no, it's like, let him, we actually had him roll the dice, be able to see if he got the goal. It's like, change it. He got four. Give him four points. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. So, I mean, if here's what I would, I would say, if you're going to sit there and argue with your opponent, people can be assholes over that. Oh yeah. No one is ever going to be an asshole. If they say I'm new, I don't understand that. I would like to get a TO to come over and explain it to me. Yeah. Or, and, and some people would be like, well, they're going to tell you exactly what I said. And I'd be like, I understand that, but I would like a third party to explain it to me. Cause I recognize that what's happening here favors you. And I just want to make sure I understand it clearly. Yeah. You know, like, like that's how you handle that without being an asshole. But if you feel like something screwy, then, you know, um, and this is also why I'm a big, big proponent of like state your intentions. Yeah. You know, and, and to say these guys are base to base. Right. And, uh, you know, ask that. And that way there's no like, you know, sneaky bullshit. Yeah. And I think that is something that when you are done with your first tournament, you gain those experiences and you want to be like, okay, how can I clarify this? So I don't get screwed over by that again. Cause as a new player, you are going to get screwed over. You are going to, you know, there's going to be a rule you don't know, and there's going to be something that happens and it's going to be a little salty, you know, when you, when it happens to you, because you're probably going to just messed up because of it. So you need to then go, okay, how can I prevent this from happening again? And for Chris, it might be, you know, in Malifaux, okay, does anything have terrifying? Is, is anything terrifying on the board? Yeah, and- so, I mean, I, I definitely get it. Like, those those types of things. And and you have to you have to determine, and, th- and this is hard to do as a new player, but uh, this is why we're trying to give some general guidelines. Is this gotcha moment because somebody just knows their models better they put together a better plan that you didn't anticipate or is this because somebody's trying to manipulate the state of that game you know lawyer you into a situation at you know those are those are two different things and if somebody's trying to like lawyer you and interpret things that are only favorable to them there's no problem with you standing your ground if it's a situation where like you didn't have, you know, you, you didn't know, uh, you know, what a model did because you're so new that you don't even know what the other guilds are. You can't even name them. Then that's then that's that's that issue, right? But if you ask a question and they intentionally give you a dis, uh, uh, an answer that's deceptive, or um, they try to a- ask it in a answer it in a tricky way, that's them being an asshole. Yeah, I think it's like if you ask, it's kind of like when you ask. The question like oh how far can you move and they're like well they they can only move you know this amount of inches during their turn or during their activation and it's like whoa so does that mean you can move them like you need to as a new player like you need to recognize especially when you evaluate like a tournament like that is should you have asked other questions to help you maybe do better in a situation so like if you had somebody just come in and they just wrecked your face and you ask the question like, oh, can, you know, how far do they move? Well, maybe the follow-up question you should ask is like, okay, do you have anything that can move them out of activation, right? Or do you have anything that can push that model or anything that can, you know, place it somewhere? And I, that's an important question because that's what happens a lot of times that gets the feel bads is like, you didn't ask a question that could have helped prevent something bad from happening in the game. And yeah, it can get annoying for season players, but you want to know what you're there to learn and, you know, fuck them. Yeah. Well, and the other side is I think that, and this is more of a call out to the more seasoned players, but those people that are seasoned need to recognize, especially when you're talking about somebody that just isn't as good or isn't very experienced, a newbie, whatever, like, you need to stop treating people like that. Yeah. Like I get it that you think you're so smart because they asked the wrong question and you just gave them the minimal answer. But like, I've actually had this discussion with people, like people that were absolutely strange. I'm like, okay, so when I ask you a question, 
are you going to, and I like ask if somebody's within threat or something like that, are you going to be like, well, their movement's eight and not tell me that they can move twice or to where you want me to ask you a bunch more questions? Or are you going to give me like an honest answer that, you know, they have, including the double movement that you know you can do, right? Like, and, and it takes, you know, a, a, a bit of, a bit of integrity to, to be that way, oh, yeah. you know, like to, to say like, you know what, I'm, I, I understand what you're trying to ask me and I'm going to give you the information that you're wanting. So we don't have to waste a bunch of time lawyering out whether or not you answered it properly. Well, right. And I think that's important too, because, and I think you want to be honest as a new player, you don't, you don't want to withhold information yourself. Like I even had my first round, I think my opponent, you know, he took some damage and I was like, oh, but you only take one because of this effect. And he's like, oh, he's like, thanks for being so honest. It's like, that that's great to see. And I think at the, at the end of the day, as a new player, after you play in a tournament, you have to think to yourself, do I want to do another tournament? Like, do I want to play in another tournament of Malifaux? Do I want to play in another tournament of Guild Ball? And I think a lot of that goes off of, the community. Like if I play against a bunch of a-holes, I'm not going to all of a sudden be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to totally go back to that shop and play in a tournament again. If I, if I go against a bunch of a-holes that are lying to me and just being dicks, I'm not going to go back. Right. I might still play at my local game store or I might sell all my crap. It's like seasoned players have to realize the power that they have there. Because if you make a, an experience for somebody so miserable, you could literally, literally crush their will to play that game ever again. There. There are always situations. These happen all the time where somebody gets demolished and they quit gaming. Yeah. Like this isn't abnormal. And 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 it doesn't need to happen because that one win for you, especially when you're the better player, obviously. Yeah. Like that one win for you, you were probably going to get anyway. Yeah. So, so you gave up a couple points on your way to kicking their ass. Like – Okay, make it to where you don't create a bad experience for someone else. Like, he, because otherwise your meta is going to go away. Well, and then you won't have say, people in the game. That is the big thing. It's like at the end of the day, you want to play with your toys. If you are a jerk and just steamroll and stomp everybody all the time, they're not going to play with you. And then your toys are going to collect dust on your shelf. So, yes, everybody wants to win. That's fine. But you can still have a great time. Even I, there's even cases where I try to give stuff to people. Like I, I've told on the podcast before that, yeah, I, I go pretty hard against new players in a tournament because I want to get that lead, but then I want to try to feed them a couple points. Now, whether, whether they take advantage of that and take the couple points depends on the matchup because I've had it before where it's like literally, I'm like, okay, I'm giving you this chance to go get the ball. Okay, you're attacking my mascot. The game's got to end. <laughs> yeah, and, and there's... There, there are so many of those instances where I'm not advocating that you need to, you need to play down to a level of handicap where they're going to beat you or anything like that. Or if you guys are comparably matched up, you know, go ahead, try, try your best. Yeah. You know, like, but there are times where you fucking know, yeah. you, you know, this person clearly just by how they're asking a question that they really don't understand. And you can give them the little bit of extra information that's going to make their life not a living fucking hell or you can be at the end of a game and be like okay i could just stomp this guy out but you know this guy's clearly new let me teach him something and show him how to score a little bit here so at least he gets a little bit of a moral victory right like it, it it's not it's not weakness to create a positive gaming experience oh, yeah. for a community i think that chris you do an awesome job of this because a lot of times when you play against a newer player I mean, a lot of those newer players say, oh, it was a blast playing with Chris, because I think you do a good job of including newer players and helping them kind of learn the game, right? And see like, oh, you didn't see this, but why don't you do this instead? Because you can maybe get a takeout. And you, I think that you better than me do a great job of that with new players. Well, I'm definitely, I think that I am a much better winner than most people. Yeah, but I'm a much worse loser than most people. <laughs> so it's really this yin yang for you. Yeah, yeah. There's a real yin yang there, where like if if I'm trying to help someone, uh, that I'm I'm really going to be 
be nice about it and I'm winning and I, I'm not, I'm not one to rub it in. Like, I mean, yeah. I'll, I've been games where I'm winning and like some real shit rolls happen to my opponents and I'm like, I'm sorry. Like I know <laughs> I've been there and, and yeah. I get more frustrated than most. Right. Like I, I know that when my dice don't turn up for me, it's not my opponent's fault, but I'm still fucking mad that like the fates took away my victory. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, so I'm compassionate to that when I'm the one winning, but um you know there there's just some food for thought for people like to for them to kind of figure out where they want to be with things and um you know obviously one thing that can ruin it is especially if people are like disingenuous we've been we went to a a war machine tournament in savannah where a guy basically misrepresented his experience level and someone tried to be nice and and lost and lost because he was trying to be like a nice guy to somebody that pretended like he didn't know. And and so there is that element too, right? I'm not I'm not advocating that you ever put yourself at risk or don't take your victory. I'm advocating that if you clearly see that somebody uh, needs a little bit of help, help them out. So Chris, the tournament you went to is a good experience. Mine was also a good experience. I'm going to go to more Malifaux tournaments. They. It really was a blast. The North Carolina guys are great. A lot of them, I had similar uh, friends. Uh, the people up in uh, up in Greenville were awesome. The guy that ran it had some amazing looking boards. I posted those on Twitter for those of you that don't follow us. Check us out on Rage Quit Wire on Twitter. Who was, who was running it? Uh, I, I can't remember the guy's last name, but his name was Scott. And he had a lot of great tournament. And him and his fiance put on a really good event, even though it was only eight players. You had a great time. So so I enjoyed my experience and you enjoyed your first Guild Ball experience. So we're going back into the tournaments. So we're like, yes, we want to keep playing in tournaments. I like being a little competitive. The atmosphere, atmosphere is still friendly. So I'm going to keep doing this thing. So what is the next step, Chris, when you're like, yes, I want to keep doing tournaments and now I have to continue on. So what is the next step when you go into another tournament? I think the next step is usually when somebody goes to their first tournament, they're not complete in their in their guild knowledge, their crew knowledge, their faction knowledge. Uh, whether that means that it's because they're missing key elements of their models, like that they, they need to buy some more models, yep. or whether it's because they haven't played a whole swath of the models. So the next step is get some more experience with the side or the elements of your team that you didn't get experience with the first time. And that doesn't have to be in the tournament. You might already, you might want to play the same things that you played in that last tournament, but getting the experience so you just kind of have a fuller knowledge of who you're playing. So it's almost like practice then. Yeah, get get some practice in add some more models. I'm just like you talked about zip. Like, you know, if you don't own that zip model already buy him, right. So that you can actually practice with them, you know, and get it on the table. Yep. Get it on the table, practice at home. If you feel like, Hey, there might be something here. Maybe that's one of the models that you swap out and you take the next time you're, and you're going to tournament, you know, for you, Chris, I, I, cause basically what you did and I would recommend this, like, Get somebody that is also really interested in the competitive scene. So for Chris, it, when you moved out here, it was kind of buddying up with me and me buddying up with you. And we would run, you know, ideas off of each other. We'd play a lot of games. And I know for you, you notice like, oh, man, my butchers really hate all this two-inch reach. So I need to figure out matches into two-inch reach kind of comps, right? And that was one mm-hmm. big struggle you had for a while. Yep. And, and you kind of you kind of diagnose it and uh, – I mean, somebody that cannot handle losing, somebody that cannot handle adversity, adversity. Defeat. Yeah, that's a, that's a good word for it. Somebody that can't handle that will never become excellent, and they won't because yeah. they won't be willing to sit there and play a game with their buddy where they put brand new stuff on the table and they know they're going to lose and they just need to feel it out. Because they're always going mean, to want to go back home to what they know and what they feel like helps them win. They can't even lose to their friend, which is like sad. I mean, Chris, right? how, like, many to- how many times have you and I played like a game where it's like, hey, Chris, I want to learn this. And then we get it on the table and it's like, well, that didn't fucking work. It's like, how are we going to like, what do you think I should do now? I mean, how many times have you and I done that? 
Yes, tons. <laughs> and then that gives me a good chance for me to like rub it in your face. Yeah, nope, right. nope, that counts. That's a real game. That's a re- totally real <laughs> game. You suck, Pete. <laughs> yeah. But I, no, I like uh, what yeah, you said. I think the next step. Yeah, I think the next step is like not just workshopping, but just repetitions. Playing it, getting it on the table, and figuring out what. Ma- this is where you start to figure out your opponent's matchups, right? You're going to start getting comfortable with what you're playing, but now I'm starting to understand what my friends are playing. So as I play more Malifaux, like for example, I know I'm going to play against Russ's guild um, tomorrow. So I'm going to play one of my crews. And I don't, right now, I don't know what his crew does, but I can guarantee after that matchup tomorrow, I'm going to be like, that model I hate, or this one, you know, wasn't so bad. And there's going to be something on there that pisses me off. And it's going to be the same thing. I'm going to have models that tick him off. And we're going to start becoming familiar with not just my crew, but now also some of that guild stuff. So it, it, it's just about getting reps against your friends. And then eventually you'll become comfortable in certain matchups. Yep. And so that, that yeah workshopping it and you know taking it to the lab and you know playing around with the different components yeah that's that's kind of that next step that way you go into the next uh, the next uh tournament and you know you're able to set some higher goals hopefully perform better or or perform in a fashion that you're more satisfied with and i think another step with not not just workshopping it with friends and getting your reps in is also just kind of reading the cards and just figuring out what your stuff does. But then when you get screwed over, like in a tournament, go back and just kind of read the card. Okay. How did this interaction actually work? And when you read the card, you'll start to figure out how that happened. Whereas when you're a new player, I'm sorry, but there's just, I was sitting there against that Arcanist player and he's like, Oh, and then I catch myself on fire and now I can place here. And now I catch myself fire and I can push this guy into that. And now here's another blast you know marker going down and i'm just as a new player i'm like sure dude you rock it <laughs> it's like i have no idea what's whatever the fuck right ever <laughs> but you know as i read the cards i started kind of diagnosing it and being like okay that's why that happened i think it's important to reflect and go back and read the rules to figure out okay how did this interaction actually happen and that way when you see it again you'll understand why it's happening yeah and and this depends on the type of player so I'm not a player that's very good at looking at rules on a page and being able to just translate that over into how I'm going to play it. Yeah. I do not do that well. I am much better at, you know, playing it live and ex- and experiencing it and then learning how to like deal with it as I as I'm experiencing it. And and sometimes that means that I'm giving my friends some very specific conditions, right? I know that they know it better than me and I'm like, "Okay, help me pick select a team here and then be able to play them and coach me through this experience so that I, I'm able to like see it on the on the table and it's not just them telling me or me trying to deduce this from looking at a, uh, a set of rules or a card you know that that's the way that I learn best um, but there every, everyone's different I, I have a buddy in Salt Lake that the way he does it is he sits there and he's realized I can memorize a card in the amount of time that it takes me to paint a model so while he sits there and paints he he doesn't listen to music he doesn't watch TV or anything like that he memorizes the card for the model that he's painting and yeah. by the time he's done he can tell you all the stats you all the abilities and that's that's the way that he's able to learn it. i could never do that i would hate painting and i would hate reading cards by the end well and i think it's important to know that people do like we're obviously telling you like how we do it and that's just take that for what it's worth because even during the tournament the guy i was playing against that i lost to in round two um scott that was running the tournament he even told me he's like oh yeah you definitely need to like learn the schemes and do that like that's what you should have been focusing on i'm like well it's hard to do that and get to those schemes and win the game when you don't know what your models do so i told him like i'm focusing on my models and what they do in their interactions and i'll get the schemes later on it's that's not a huge deal for me i get that's how you win the game but to me that's not as important as figuring out okay how does my crew actually function uh, just because I understand that plant the explosives I lost because I didn't plant the explosives. I understand that. But to me, it was more important to figure out, okay, how does Jack Daw interact against this crew? And, you know, how can I use Jack Daw to kind of get to this, this, and this? And it, that worked out better for me than trying to figure out like, oh, how can I run this scheme? That just wasn't priority one. I mean, 
for me, it's figuring out how does my stuff work. And then once I'm solid and I have a firm foothold in that, now I know what I do and I can now execute the schemes and strategies. And once I have that down, now I'm going to start worrying about what my opponents do. So I think that's also my next step is not just focusing on that. Now I'm focusing on the missions. And my next step is, okay, now what do my, what does my opponent do now that I am comfortable in what I do? And, and with these skirmish games, I mean, there's a certain point where maybe it's not after two tournaments. Maybe it's after three or four. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, sure. whatever you're comfortable with, um, you know, there, there needs to be a point with these smaller skirmish type games where you have all the models for your, your guys, like don't, don't truncate yourself. If you like the game, invest in getting all of it so that you're, you're actually able to experience, you know, the fullness of that guild. If you, if you're still on the fence, you know, go ahead and borrow models. If, if you have friends oh, yeah. that let you borrow them and you know, I'm not yeah, telling like, anybody. I'm, I'm not going to buy Zip. I'm actually just borrowing from Scott because Scott already has them. Yeah. So, but if, if you're at the point where you're like, no, I like this, I want to do it. It will actually help you stay in it Yeah. by putting in the effort to going out and getting all the models, building them, you know, playing with, with all of them to where you know what they all do. That will be well worth your time. And I think that's actually a good point, Chris. And this is where talking with veteran players and your opponents helps out because as a new player, you don't know these matchups and these strategies and schemes maybe very well. So if I talk to my opponent and I'm like, yeah, I'm playing Jack Daw, I'm really into it. And he's like, dude, why aren't you running any, you know, of the hanged men or why aren't you running, you know, the crooked men or why aren't you, you know, doing these necro punks or whatever. And I'd be like, I don't even know what it is. They're like, how would they help me? And they run through, oh, these are great scheme runners. They help do what you want to do. And, and that's when you can be like, oh, I need to totally pick those up. And now you have a new tech piece to put in with your crew or in guild ball, you have a new flex piece where it's like, oh, this is cool. This will help me against scoring teams or this will help me against fighting teams. So, yeah, and and I, I'm I'm specifically applying this to these smaller skirmish type yeah, teams. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm not telling somebody to go out and buy everything for a faction in in 40k, right? Like that that's cost prohibitive to most people. Exactly. So, so, so take take what I'm saying with the with the amount of salt that I am trying to impart with it. So, Chris, let me ask you this, and obviously, this is going to be a tough question to answer, but I think it's a good one that we end on is you're playing this game and you want to get competitive with it. So how do you, how long do you think it takes or how long should I expect before I can start consistently winning? And I'm not even talking about winning tournaments. I'm just talking about how long do can I expect for it to take before it's like, Oh, I'm winning like 50% of my games or, you know, I'm, I'm finishing better than 50% on half my games. How long do you think realistically you can expect that to happen as a new player? 25 games. You think 25? Yeah, 25 games I think is, is reasonable. 25 you, tournament you, games or 25 games? No, 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 25 games. Okay. 25, 25 games. So if, if you're somebody that is, a, give or take a little bit, but let's say, let's say you go to the game store and you, do, you get a game in on Tuesday nights and then one on Saturday. Saturday, Saturday during the day, and that's those are the game times where you game with your your friends. Yeah, like yeah, I think that probably three months you're you're pretty solid. You yeah. know, 12, 12 weeks, like you you've gotten into, so you're at twenty twenty four games ish. Like that, yeah, I, I I think that's pretty reasonable. Now now if you don't if you don't put in the time, right? Like if you guys have been playing Malifaux and I haven't really been playing it, like three months from now, it's not going to make me any better yeah. just by hearing that you guys can play Malifo. So yeah. you know, that, that's why I, I do it by games, right? Um, I think that you should, you should really be somebody that is pretty capable and a pretty strong player once you're getting in like 50 games with that specific captain or warcaster or or crew leader, like once you have 50 games with like an individual uh, leader, that's the point where you should be pretty damn good. People should be asking you for advice on how to play. Yeah, I think that once you get to that point where you're playing that many games with one master or one captain, 
you should be running that crew or that team like clockwork. At that point, you know what you do want to do. You know what schemes and what strategies you like. You know how you're going to get to your 12 points if you're playing guild ball. So I, I agree. I think it is. it has to do more with game reps than it is time. I think a lot of times, oh, well, you know, this is like my third tournament and, you know, I, I'm still trying to get my first win. And it's, well, you just have to kind of keep in mind that you aren't putting in the time practicing so yeah this may be your third tournament but this you don't practice in between you just go you to tournaments. Play in tournaments you you know whatever like in this case i think you've been playing malifo for like a couple months right yeah and you're probably somebody that gets in you know a couple games a week yep that's probably pretty reasonable so you're not really at that point where you're you know where you're at the 25 game mark of of playing that guild uh so you know, you went to a tournament and you saw the results, like you were below average, right? Yeah. Like, like of the eight guys, you were in the bottom yeah. half. Yeah, definitely. Now, I, I have a feeling that a month from now, you'd probably be right in the average. Is that, do you think that's reasonable? Yeah, like, like with, honestly, with those, yeah, month? yeah I, I think within another month, I'm, I'm trying to win two games. And I recognize okay. it might not happen just because I might get a bad matchup I don't know about. That I feel like in in another month or two I'm going to be cooking pretty good on this game. Yeah, and then and then I imagine as t- more time goes by. Now Pete is Pete's interesting, an interesting example for those listening because Pete is somebody that you don't really get to the point where you run one leader fifty times because you nope. get bored and you want to jump on other one other leaders, other models, other guilds. You want to start experimenting and going all over the place, right? Yeah. And and that all counts toward your experience and you know the things pretty well. Um, and there's, there's not teams that then you're able to run like somebody that really is, you know, gotten in dozens and dozens of games with that one crew leader, or that one, that one captain, like, like when with Gilball with me, I really do think that I'm an expert when it comes to playing odds. Oh, yeah. I don't think I'm perfect. I don't think I'm the best in the world. I don't think I can beat everybody. But I think that people that are new players or middle-of-the-road players would very reasonably come to me and be like, Chris, how can I run Ox better? Yeah. I never see anybody play Ox. They always play Filet. They always play Bet Boar. Um, I don't have a lot of experience with it. I want to learn Bet Ox. I could coach somebody up on that and teach them how to play, play Ox. So, yeah, I um, and I put, in, I put in so many reps, right? I know that model inside and out. Um, it, the same is going to be true with this, right? Like, you know that I want to play those Victorians. And so, you know, 50 games in, I think that somebody's going to be able to come to me and be like, Chris, you're the guy that always plays the Victorians. How can I play? How can I, how can I get the most out of it? And I, I think there's a benefit to both. There's a benefit to being, you know, narrow and there's a benefit to being wide. Like I, I've been listening to a couple of podcasts where people are like, oh, I just run this master and that's being narrow. But man, you're really strong because all your focus is going on that one path. And then there's also a benefit to being wide, which is what I like to do, because I like to have that depth of knowledge on more things. It's not necessarily as focused. But since I have a wide knowledge, like I can counter a lot of stuff that maybe if you're narrow, you can't. So you just have to be really good. But then in high competitive tournaments, that's usually where my that's usually where I end up losing in those high end tournaments is somebody who is really focused on either a guild or on a crew. They're going to get me more times than not because they're going to be so repetition you know so just have the experience that they know how to interact very specifically with my pieces where my my width of knowledge doesn't matter because their depth is so strong on that one faction so i there is a benefit to both but i think once you get to the top end having that depth in that one or two is way stronger than being wide and but there is a benefit to both i would say yeah, no, I agree. And I, I think that if you kind of look at like the curves and the the way that that works, I think that focusing in very narrowly initially is a good idea because it helps you get a good foothold with something. Yep. Right? You have, you have a solid foothold. Then you have to choose, do I want to continue down this road 
at the expense of having that wide knowledge. And those people that choose that wider path are going to, to have all sorts of options that you're not seeing. But at the other end of that, the, you will start to see that curve up where you're a real expert on that. Like, I mean, I think that, I think that a good example of this was when I played war machine uh, with you, like yep. you were absolutely a better war machine player, like no doubt. But um, when I put butcher three on the table, you were always at risk. Oh, there was no, there, no doubt. There, there was no, there was no time where you were like, Oh, because I know War Machine and Horde so much better. I know all these models. Chris can never get me. I just know it so much better. There were times where I was frustrated because you were doing things that I hadn't seen before. But I knew Butcher 3 so well that I could always kind of carve that path. Yeah. (laughs) And so, um, you know, and... And that's that's what I think I enjoy. I think that also a part of it is just in my personality. Like I have a personality in general that's very loyal. So yeah. like once I find what I like, I want to carve this very loyal path with it. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and so I, I am envious of that because I hear people say like, oh, I play this this master and I'm really good at it. And I'm envious of that because I'm just like, man, I would love to be known as like the Jack dog guy, but then I'm like, Oh wait, there's a shiny object over here. Let me go play that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then another part of it that we haven't really discussed, and I I don't mean to take this down. You're you're good. You're good. But part of the reason why Pete is the way that he is, is Pete paints really fast. So he can always have, new toys and they always look good for me. I don't paint fast. So I've got like the models that I know they're all painted up and they're looking good and I want to keep using those stuff that looks good on the table. So I keep putting that stuff out there, right? My my butchers are all painted up and they're looking good. And so I don't want to have to, you know, paint up a whole new, a whole new guild or, you know, whatever. Whereas Pete, he's just like, Oh, give me the new stuff. I'll just paint it up in one night. Yeah. And, (laughs) Kind of going back to the last topic that we're we're just talking about here, just how long does it take to get good? And honestly, it, it honestly just matters. Like there are some people where they just maybe they want to play in tournaments and yes, they'd like to do good, but maybe there's just something where it's like they can't remember all the different masters or in Guild Ball, they can't remember all the captains and all the rules. And there's so many gotchas that it's just not something that their brain just kind of puts into long-term memory and they don't learn from it every time. And you just have to recognize if that's you, like if you're the kind of person where, and also if you play in a strong meta, Joe can attest to this from our group, Chris, that Southeast was a tough meta for Guild Ball, right? Guild Ball Southeast was a really strong meta where we had a lot of really strong players and Joe would travel to these, you know, regional and national tournaments with us and he'd get steamrolled and he'd get so you know discouraged i'm like joe you're playing against really good players like you're not seeing somebody of your equivalent until you get to like round four or five and that's how good and deep a lot of the tournaments were in our region so i think you also have to realize that if you have strong players in your meta you might not win for a long time but then maybe you go to a national tournament where there are some players that are either equal or below you and maybe then you just steamroll them right so it it just depends on your meta as well yeah and and i i I don't mind you know the idea of tearing things off if you have a big enough event and you can run a a young bloods tournament at the same time that you're running the main tournament like i think that those things are good ideas just giving people more categories that they can compete in um but yeah, I mean, all of that, all of that plays in, and and I think that everyone, well, everyone is eventually told like, hey, you've run out of IQ, right? You could be the smartest person in the world, but eventually you run out of IQ, and there's a problem that you can't solve. Yep. And sometimes people are told that very early in life, and sometimes people are told it very late, but you know, finding out where that is, like, I recognize, like, I'm not going to ever be somebody that, you know, competes at, you know, for nationals at Guild Ball. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not super, uh, you know, high IQ, able to remember every little thing and, and spend the time listening to every podcast and, you know, crafting all of these things and, and cross-checking it against net lists and all of that kind of stuff. I, I, I just don't do that. Right. And, and part of it's because I don't want to live my life that way. And the other part of it is that I have natural limitations to my brain, 
right? And so yeah. I'm not willing to eat up all my RAM that way. And so, you know, recognizing that, hey, you know, sometimes you're going to run out of IQ and, and you just have to accept like, hey, I'm going to enjoy this and this is going to be fun or it's not. Or, you know, in my case, like I rage out all the time about stuff. Um, but once I settle down, I generally enjoy enjoy gaming. And so, you know, the venting is 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 part of that with me. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's OK. And I've accepted that. Right. And I, I, I recognize that I'm really not going to tournaments accepting expecting to win every one. That said, I try to win every every game that I play in and I'm disappointed when I don't. But I know that's going to happen. Like and I can live with that. Well, that, that's part of the roller coaster, right? That's part of the chase. That's, you know, the rabbit that we're all chasing in, in this, you know, nerd life. So it's the same thing like you were saying, Chris. I, you, I think that's important moving forward, being competitive, is that you have to realize you're not going to win them all. Even when you get good, you're still not going to win them all. I mean, I got pretty good at Guild Ball where, you know, I was at least in the top tournaments and I was placing pretty well in, in a lot of them. And even then it's like sometimes you just got to realize that a lot of this stuff is random. The matchups are random and you can't control that. And that's very important for a new player to get, because if you get set up and you're playing the worst matchups for you, you might get that worst matchup in all your rounds. And there's no control you have with that. You might even be the better player, but if you get bad matchups, you could end up in the bottom of a tournament. And that's just something that's important for new players to recognize is that, don't take it personally like when you finish bad because there are some times where it's even when you're a good player where if you just have bad matchups or if your dice or cards just you know crap out on you and you just make the wrong decisions at the wrong times it's just sometimes you're gonna have a bad day and and that's okay or you get sick or the luck doesn't work out that way and you're passing you know freaking kidney stone yeah that was a rough day and and i thought i played pretty well that day but i came away with losses in the end, because, you know, I, I, I definitely wasn't op, op, operating at an optimal range. But, um, you know, I like I, I think that, you know, there, there were some where I just got molly whopped. But there there were other ones that I played against guys that I know were good players and I know I could have won it. Um, yeah. And maybe I would have won it if I was oper- operating a little bit better. Maybe I wouldn't. But I know that I was like competitive and I was sick as all hell. So, um, you know, sometimes that's how it goes. Sometimes it comes down to a dice roll, right? Like this is for all the marbles and you whiff and And womp womp. (laughs) And then you're you're throwing salt. All right, Chris. (laughs) Well, speaking of that, why don't you sign us off? Because I know you got you got some work you got to do tonight. Yep. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Roll dice, flip cards, throw salt. We'll catch you next time. Peace.